Well, good morning and happy Sabbath. I'm glad to be here at the Mount Pleasant uh, Adventist Church. I've been here, I believe, more than a handful of times over the last few years. And it's really good and comforting to know when, when you walk into a place and a building, you recognize the faces. And not only that, but they recognize me. So uh, it was good. I felt that welcome uh, as soon as I walked in the door. So thank you very much for that. Um, my name is Heath Archer. Uh, it says it there in the bulletin there. I am an elder at the Crowley Seventh-day Adventist Church in Crowley, Texas. Um, my wife, Jacqueline, and our three uh, wonderful boys, um, reminded of them when we had three wonderful boys right here just singing uh, a beautiful song. But uh, Boone Hudson and Luke uh, all are at home uh, today. They could not be here with me, so they send you well wishes and wish they could be here. And hopefully next time I'm around and can come in, I'll be able to bring those, those folks, my family, with me. Today, um, you know, the, the, the sermon title is called The Source. And, um, you know, when I get into studying or God's putting on my heart a certain message or a certain title that we, He'd like me to talk about, um, I always like to look it up. I like to get the definition of what it is and get the meaning behind either the word or the topic and really dig into that before you build your foundation of your title or your message for the day. And so the definition of the word source itself is, uh, is this. This is a place, a person, or a thing from which something comes or can be obtained. And it's my prayer today, and we will have another prayer in just a second, but it's my prayer today that each and every one of you, when we leave this place, we will have more enlightenment, more uh, understanding of just who the source is, which we can probably all assume who I'm talking about here, Jesus Christ, right? Amen. But also that you would dig into the word more so um, into what that means to you on your particular journey and pathway in life. So before we get into the, to the message, let us bow our heads for another word of prayer, please. Father God, once again, I want to thank you for this opportunity to speak your word. I want to thank you for this opportunity to speak to brothers and sisters and fellow believers that want to know more about you. People that have set aside this day and the, import, and the importance of this day to not only in spirituality and physical nature, taking just that physical day of rest, but that spiritual um, reinventment of each and every one of us to get into your word, get into your truth, to share the good news with others. So I pray, Father God, that you would anoint my lips once again to bring the words that you would have me to speak to each and every person here. And that way, may we all be blessed and uplifted. Uh, to not only take it through this day, but the rest of the day, the rest of the week, and the rest of our lives till we meet again. We love you and we thank you for hearing this prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Before I get into that, I, I, I was going to mention, Miss Ruth, uh, you said you were at the beach this past week, and I and my family were at the beach as well this past week. So seeing that picture reminded me, we just, as of yesterday, got all the, I think, well, there's no way to get all the sand out of, out of your, <laughs> we had our vehicle like totally cleaned out and washed out and all that, but there's, there's going to be remnants of that sand uh, for a while, but seeing that picture helped uh, remind me of the wonderful time we had at the beach uh, with my family this past week. 
Um, I want to talk to you about uh, another uh, situ- uh, scenario that this company called Spark People described the word source. It says, they say, when God's word as the solution to your problem becomes bigger within you than the problem is on the outside of you, then you will have faith to overcome because God is your source. Once again, please remember that. If you don't remember anything else I say today, please remember that. God is our source. He is with us. He is never going to leave us. And uh, it's my prayer that we'd all stay focused on the source and don't take our eye off of Him. I've got a couple quick stories to tell you before we're going to get into uh, the book of Kings today, First Kings and the story of Solomon. But before we do that, um, I would like to just tell a few quick stories. And the first story I'd like to share is about my son Boone. He's five years old, five and a half years old. And we were at the doctor's office uh, one day. And it was for just a routine shot. And for whatever reason, he, <laughs> I'm being a little sarcastic here about getting a shot. Uh, kids normally don't like to get shots. So he was very uncomfortable and kind of worming around the table in the chair. And he just was almost unconsolable. And I kept, I, I got down real close to him and I said, Boone, I said, just look at me, focus. Just look at me, okay? It's going to be all right. It's just a normal shot. Uh, Daddy's right here, but just look at me. Take your eyes and focus on me. And when he did, I noticed that he calmed down. He seemed to calm a little bit, a little bit more than where he was. And it was after that time that I, I realized that when he was looking at me, he was seeing something different. He was seeing, taking his mindset off of where he was in that current situation or scenario. And he was at a, a different place, more comforting, maybe a, a time where he thought about a time where we were playing out in the yard, whatever that may be. It took him off of what was going on in the immediate. And so I, I took comfort in that. But I also look at that for myself, Right. Just as my son looks at me for something different, or maybe peace or comfort or protection, I need to look at God. I need to look at my Heavenly Father for that same comfort, for that peace, for that protection. And I need to keep my focus on Him and not of the world. It's real easy for us to get caught up in the world today. It's real easy for us to turn on the... If you turn on, I tell people, don't watch the first 10 minutes of newscast. Like the first 10 to 12, 15 minutes of the newscast is normally that hook. They try to get you caught in. So it's always the gloom and doom and the, all these things that are going on. But for me, it's um, don't get focused on the world. Stay focused on in Christ and in the Scriptures. But, you know, the devil with that undertow is working overtime. And he is turning it up, the heat up, ever so Slightly. And it's about to be wide open for each and every one of us. So we need to stay focused and uh, diligent on, on Him and not of the world. The other story I'd like to share with you is about, took place over in England many, many years ago, before electricity. Um, but there was a church and a pastor over in England. And this church, uh, the way they had their lighting, or their lighting source, was in each pew, right above the chairs, there was a little pedestal 
And that little pedestal, the members would come in and light a candle, and they would set that on the pews. That would then illuminate, right? You're in your pew, reading your scriptures or singing your hymnal. Uh, But also, I think from being on this vantage point, looking out from the pastor's perspective, you would see a lot of light, right? And then you see some darkness maybe in the back or in the front. No one likes to sit up on the front row. I I get that. But um, you would see a light, you know, and, and throughout the church and throughout the pews. Well, there was a family, a particular family, that had been coming religiously. They had been there every week. And then down the road, uh, they got dwindled down to where it was only one time a month that they were actually coming to this church service. So the pastor made it a point to then go visit, you know, and do a pastoral visit at the house. And um, the man knew about it. The husband knew about it. The wife and husband obviously knew about it. But the husband was pretty uh, steadfast and like, I'm, I can go once, once a month. We're very foundational in our faith and our walk. I only need church maybe once a month. That's, that's good. That's good for us. And I'll, be, I'll tell the pastor that when he gets here. Uh, it was a cold day. It was snowing, blustery winds blowing. Here comes the pastor. They see the pastor come up, walks up to the steps, opens the door. Hello, how are you doing? pastor walks right by, right by them, over to the fireplace. Coat on, hat on, everything. Doesn't say a word. Picks up the tongs, reaches into the fire, pulls out a hot, hot burning coal, sets it right in front of the fire, but out of the fire, but on the floor. And then he just steps back and he just watches. Well, at this point, the husband, he's got the husband already because the husband already had a defense system set up to get into a debate with the pastor about why you are or you're not coming to church. And so the husband was he just walked over. He had the husband's attention, like I said. He walked over, stood right by the pastor, and was immediately drawn in to this, what was going on here at the floor, on the floor. Well, eventually, what happened to that coal? Burned out, right? So it went from this red-hot coal that was in the source of this fire, this heat source, and it was drawn out onto the floor, out of the source, and it became cold and black, and it went out. The pastor simply looked at the man and said no words, because no words had to be spoken. The man got it. When you take yourself from the heat of Christ and God and the fire of the Holy Spirit and you set yourself outside of that, we, you, we will burn out. We need to stay close to the source. Stay in the fire. As I mentioned, we're going to be talking a little bit about King Solomon today. So I hope you brought your scripture, your uh, Bibles along, but we're going to be in the book of First Kings today. The first um, chapter we will get into is chapter two. So if you can just find, uh, get to chapter two in First Kings, that would be great. Just say an amen when or head nod whenever you get there. There we go. Um, we're going to jump 
jump around through 1 Kings. We're going to go through chapter 2, 3, 4, 10, and 11. I know they told me I only have about an hour or so to speak. I'm just kidding. Um, I'll be very cognizant of your time today, but we're going to be not, re- I'm not going to be able, you know, really jumping into the weeds, get, you know, digging into the weeds, but this is an opportunity for homework. My wife's an ex uh, school teacher, so that's what she loves to say to our boys. It's now you have homework. So the homework for today, after we to go through the story of King Solomon, this wise, wise man, is for you to pray about it, dig into the scriptures, and see what God's trying to tell you. So, chapter 2 in 1 Kings, we're really talking about just a, a, the setup uh, of King Solomon, or Solomon, uh, and David's charge to his son Solomon, to become king. And I want you to listen to what David says and instructs his son to do. Uh, I'll be reading verses 1 through 4. It says, When the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. I am about to go the way of all the earth, he said. So be strong. Show yourself a man. I love that line. And observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in His ways and keep His decrees and commands, His laws and requirements, as written in the law of Moses, so that you may prosper in all you do and whatever you, wherever you go. Excuse me, and that the Lord may keep His promise to me. If your descendants watch how they live, and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul. You will never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. So I think of a couple words that jump out there, right? It's like um, David giving this instruction to his son. David realizes what is about to happen to him himself. He's about to pass and about to die. I'm about to go the way of all the earth. So be strong. Show yourself a man and observe what the Lord your God requires, right? Walk in his ways and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and requirements as written in the law of Moses. So that what? You may prosper in all that you do, wherever you go, and that the Lord may keep his promise to me. So I, I appreciate David's uh, very clear instruction to his son. Stay focused, right? To me it says stay focused on the source. Stay in God's word. Walk in his ways. Keep his decrees. And it's not out of fear that you do this. Please don't get me wrong. When I hear that, I hear, I honor, I love, I love my Lord, I love God. I want to worship. I want to obey. I want to walk in His ways. It's not a, oh no, if I don't do this, He's going to burn me, right? It shouldn't be that way. We're not worshiping in the, in the right heart and the right spirit if we have that mindset. Walk in His ways. You love God. You want to honor Him. Just like you love your parents. I love my parents. I want to honor. I want to obey them, Right? So he's given this command to Solomon. So Solomon knows that he's about to become king of, of Israel. Let's jump to um, chapter 3 now. And we're going to do, we're going to cover chapter 3, uh, verses 5 through 15. And, my, and I've got the New International Version. I should have... Uh, clarified that beforehand, but most of you may have the King James or the New King James or the Clear Word, but I'll be reading from the New International Version today. Uh, And it's titled on chapter 3, Solomon Asked for Wisdom. So right out of the gate, right, we see this young 
man, this young boy, become king. And what does he do? He asks for wisdom. He asks for a... um, He's asking the source for wisdom. He's asking God to lead him, to keep keep him in in lockstep with his life. So let's start on on verse 5. It says, At Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, Ask for whatever you want me to give you. I'm going to stop right there. I've been thinking about that and thinking about that. Solomon had it all, right? He was the wisest. He had all the wealth. What, just go down the list, whatever you want to. He had it all. Have you ever thought or asked yourself what you would do in this, if you were put in Solomon's situation? What would you do if you were Solomon? And God of this universe asked you, ask for whatever you want to give you. What would you do? What would you ask for? Money? Material? House? Health? Uh, like I said, you can go down the list. A litany. But we see here, in this boy, in this young man, what he answered God. How he answered God. What he asked for. And most importantly, you find out what's the character of a, true, of a person's heart. By the first thing they react. The first way you react to something. Whether it be driving down the road. Whether it be you know, at work. At school. At home. You know the fruits of your heart. By how you react. And your character. And what's beautiful here is we see Solomon in his character. We see how he reacts. And his, where he is at in his walk with the Lord. His source. In verse 6, it says, Solomon answered, You have shown great kindness to your servant, my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this great kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, O Lord my God, you (coughs) you have made your servant king in place of my father David, but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this, and not for long life or wealth, for yourself, nor have asked, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice. I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you want. You have asked, have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk. In my ways and obey my statutes and commands, as David your father did, I will give you long life, a long life. Then Solomon awoke, and he realized it had been a dream. Boy, there's a lot of stuff going on here, right? We see this young boy. What does he ask for? God of the universe asking him what it is that he would like. And this boy 
asks for a discerning heart, right? So give your servant a discerning heart, verse 9, to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. Wow, that is deep. That is really deep for, for a young child, for a man, for a young boy to ask for that right out of the gate. Uh, but he, back to, you find out where he is at and his character and his heart for God. And what, what do we find God do? He was pleased in verse 10 that you have asked for this. And then what else? God says, I will give you that, what you have asked for. But guess what? I'm going to give you something that you haven't asked for. Isn't God awesome? <laughs> not only does He give Solomon what he asked for, He gives him what he does not ask for. Verse 13, Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor. I bet Solomon's going, wow. So that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commands, Commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Now I can only imagine the excitement that Solomon felt as soon as he woke up from that dream. Right? He's excited. He's asking for this. Not only did he get this, he got this, 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 this. You know? So things are off to a really great start for Solomon, young Solomon. Let's go to chapter 4. And we'll look at uh, verse 29. And this one's titled, Solomon's Officials and Governors. And really, this gets more into Solomon's wisdom. So First uh, Kings chapter 4, verse 29. Just give me an amen or a head nod whenever you're there. Okay. It says, God gave Solomon wisdom and a very great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Man, we keep talking about Ruth. We keep talking about sand on the seashore. Uh, Solomon's wisdom, verse 30. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the men of the east and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. He was wiser than any other man, including Ethan the Ezraite, wiser than Haman, Calcol, and Dardra, Dadra, Dardra, the sons of Mahol. And his fame spread to all the surrounding nations. He spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs numbered 1,005. He described plant life from the cedar of Lebanon to the hyssop that grows out of the walls. He also taught about animals and birds, reptiles and fish. Man, wouldn't that be a great uh, class to sit in on, to hear him lecture and, and teach? Verse 34, Men of all nations came to listen to Solomon's wisdom sent by all the kings of the world who had heard of his wisdom. So once again, we see the charge David gives to Solomon and the Lord's blessing. Keep my precepts and my laws and my commands and you will never fail to have someone on the throne. We see Solomon, young Solomon, ask for wisdom, a discerning heart, right out of the gate. God blesses him with that as well as other blessings. Now we see the fruits of, of this labor. Solomon's wisdom is beyond anybody on the earth. He's, he's, he has everything, um, everything's going well for Solomon. Let's go to, let's turn to chapter 10 now, 1 Kings. I told you we'd be jumping around a little bit. Um, and we're going to be looking at verses uh, 14 through 29. And this one's actually entitled Solomon's Splendor. So I know I'm going a little bit more into 
what he had, what he did, and kind of his all about Solomon here. Said the weight of gold that Solomon received yearly was six hundred and sixty six talents, not including revenues from merchants and traders from all of the Arabian kings and the governors of the of the land. Verse sixteen. King Solomon made two hundred large shields of hammered gold. Six hundred beakers of gold went into each shield. He also made three hundred small shields of hammered gold with three minas of gold in each shield. The king put them in the palace of the forest of Lebanon. Then the king made a great throne inlaid with ivory and overlaid with fine gold. The throne had six steps and its back had rounded top. And the top of the seats was a lion standing beside each of them. Twelve lines stood on the six steps, one on either end of each step. Nothing like it had ever been made for any other kingdom. All King Solomon's goblets were gold, and all the household articles in the palace of the force of Lebanon were pure gold. Nothing was made of silver, because silver was considered of little value in Solomon's days. The king had a fleet of trading ships, and at sea along the ships of Hiram. Once every three years it returned, carrying gold, silver, and ivory and apes and baboons. Verse 23. King Solomon was great, was greater in riches and wisdom than all the other kings of the earth. The whole world sought audience. This is what I'm wanting to hone in on. Verse 23 and on. 24. The whole world sought audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom God had put in his heart. Year after year, everyone who came brought a gift. Articles of silver and gold, robes, weapons and spices, and horses and mules. Solomon accumulated chariots and horses. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horses, which he kept in the chariot cities, also with him in Jerusalem. Verse 27, The king made silver as common in Jerusalem as stones, and cedar as plentiful as sycamore fig trees in the foothills. Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt. The royal merchants purchased them from Kew. They imported a chariot from Egypt. For a six hundred shekels of silver and a horse for a hundred and fifty, they also exported them all to the king of Hittites and the Armenians. So once again, we see more or less the splendor, the majesty, the material things, the objects that Solomon accumulated throughout his reign. He stayed close to the source. And finally, chapter eleven. Let's get into chapter 11 of 1 Kings. Now we're going to see um, where Mr. S- <laughs> King Solomon took his eye off the prize. In verse 1 of chapter 11, it says, King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians and Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Now don't you think if God God told them not to do something, they probably shouldn't do it. And I need a mirror up here and talk to myself real quick, right? God told me not to do this. God told me not to do that. But yet, I, Heath, I find myself doing that, right? He's warned us. He's telling us. It's no different back in these days. 
You can take anybody in the Bible and their stories, and it translates into the living word today and how we can apply it to our lives. So the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, oh, that word, I don't like that word. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. And you know, he only had a few, right? In verse 3, he had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines. And his wives led him astray. I'm sorry, but I, you know, a thousand women Telling poor Solomon this and that and what to do. I'm just kidding. Um, there was a lot of influence there, right? I mean, and a lot of these women did not worship the true God. They worshiped the gods of their nations, of their forefathers, their idols, right? So it's only, to me, it was only a matter of time before Solomon, if he did not stay strong in the faith, kept that coal in the fire, right? Then he was going to be... The devil knew it. He's like, oh, I got this guy. You know, I'm just going to give him time. Just let him hang around him. They'll, they'll turn him away. You know, He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. Verse 4, as Solomon grew old, his wives so grew old. So, right, we have time there, right? It's no different than us here on this world, in this earth. Satan's going to chip away at us and chip away at us and chip away at us if we don't stay in the fire, Right? He's just going to wait for that moment. As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods. And his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God. And his, and his, as the heart of David his father had been. Verse 5. He followed Ashereth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Moloch, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. Now this, once again... That, that should speak volumes there because he was the wisest, right? In the whole earth. He had it all. He could, you know, um, yes, he was a sinner because we're all sinners, but yet he had more wisdom and discerning and, and than, than, than anybody. But yet after that time, it, he got wore down. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord and, it, and he did not follow the Lord completely as, God, as David, his father, had done. In verse 7, we find the rest of the story. On a hill east of Jerusalem, Solomon built a high place for Chemoash, the detestable god of Moab, and, and for Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. He did the same for all his foreign wives who burned incense and offered sacrifices to their gods. Verse 9, the Lord became angry with Solomon, rightfully so, I say, because his heart had turned away from the Lord. To me, it's more or less that, that the heartbreak that God felt from Solomon just not following him. It's no different than me and not following God. I need to follow God. I need to be fully committed to the source. And when I turn from him, left or right, it breaks his heart. Please don't think of God as a, somebody up there with a big stick that just wants to whack you over the head. I went away from the church. At about 12 or 13 years old, out. Completely went away from the church. Um, but God brought me back. Amen. Amen, right? If you would have said to me, whatever, five, ten years ago, that you would be, have the honor and the, the opportunity to speak God, God's word in front of a group of people, I would have laughed at your face. I would have said, there's no way. Get out of here. But 
here I am, right? Here we are. You're here today for a reason. God puts you here. God put me here. And He has a purpose for each and every one of us. So what I'm getting at here is even though in verse 9 it says, The Lord became angry with Solomon because of his heart had turned away from the Lord. He still loved him. He still loves me. He still loves us and you. His heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice, although he had forbidden Solomon, verse 10, to follow the other gods. Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, Since this is your attitude, and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees, which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Once again, heartbreak, right? And I'm sure Solomon had that heartbreak too. Now he's facing God, who years earlier not only gave him what he asked for, gave him more that he didn't ask for. But what do we find in verse 12? We find some grace here from God. Nevertheless, for the sake of David your father, oh wow, I will not do it during your lifetime. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. Yet I will not tear the whole kingdom from him, but will give him uh, one tribe for the sake of David my servant and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. So once again, we find grace throughout all of this. Throughout Solomon taking himself out of the fire, out of the, away from the source, and taking his eye off the ball. If you want to talk baseball terms here. Eye off the ball, right? God still had grace. He still distinguished mercy and grace to Solomon and the kingdom. Where are we at today? Where are you at today with God? Are you in that fire? Are you that hot coal that's in that fire? Am I that hot coal that's in that fire? Am I staying close to the source? Have you taken your focus off the source? Do you go through life thinking that you have it all under control only to find out you've left the source. You've turned from the source. You've taken your eye off off of Him. Solomon was the greatest and wisest in the land. He had it all, you could say. But he took his focus off the source. He relied on his wives. Other people. Let me just put let me put that in there. Other people to give him advice. To lead him down a path that was away from God. Was out of the fire. It's my prayer today that each and every one of us keep the coals of our lives burning red hot for Christ. That we never become lukewarm in our walk and our relationship with Jesus. Stay close to the source. Keep your eyes fixed on Him. He's always there. He's always been there. He will never leave you nor forsake you.
I think of it this way. My God, our God, wants time with me. He wants time with you. And I'm not just talking Sabbath, right? Walking in, got my suit on, happy Sabbath. Everything's great in my world. Yeah, good to see you too. Have a good one. All right, we're going to eat, we're going to go home. Then what happens when we go home? Let the guard down. We become us, right? We don't, my friend used to call it churching it up. So don't church it up. I'm playing, look at him. I started thinking about that. Actually, makes sense, right? Be yourself. Be real, right? God wants us. He wants all of us. Not just a little bit. Not just on Sabbath. He wants us every day of the week. And I'm glad He does. Because just like Solomon, He wants to give you more than what you ask for. Amen? Amen. Father God, once again, I can't thank you enough for this opportunity to bring your word, to tell a story about just who you are, how wonderful a savior you are, and how we need to stay connected to you, the source, and all that we do, not just on the Sabbath day, but every day. And Father God, it's my prayer that each and every one of us under the sound of my voice will be drawn in closer and stronger in their walk and their understanding of just who you are and who you want to be in our lives, that you just want to spend time with us. I pray that each and every one of us would give that amount of time to you, Father God, not only today, but forever. And this life, but through eternity, we want to give of our time to you. And we just love you and we thank you for this opportunity this day. Bless each and every one of us as we go into the lunchtime hour. Bless the food and the hands that prepared it, and bless the rest of this day. We love you and we thank you for hearing our words. In Jesus' name, amen.